And it's time to get to the meat. Hallelujah. And I know this man of God has prepared us, you know, in order to eat real well. Last night he took us out for steak over there at the Cafe uh, Josephine. Now I got to say it was one of the best steaks I had in my life. But now we're going to eat some spiritual steak. Amen. Hallelujah. That 14 ounce ain't going to have nothing on what we're about to receive now, preach. So I know you're ready, preach. And I, pray, I thank God for you. I know, without further ado, I want to call up Pastor L.J. Miller. Y'all give him a hand clap. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all give the Lord a wonderful hand praise. Amen. Come on, let us bless him. Amen. When you're clapping, let it be from your heart. Amen. Let it be from a grateful heart. Amen. A grateful spirit. Amen. And he's been with you. He has kept you. And his hand has been his sovereign hand. His sovereign hand. Sovereign means a king, means someone's in control. And his sovereign hand has been over your life. Amen. Many of you, you have suffered many catastrophic things and And sometimes you didn't even know how you survived it. You didn't know how you made it through. But there's a God on high. The Bible says that even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Amen. He says not one sparrow falls to the ground without your father knowing about it. If a sparrow falls to the ground, it touches his heart because he made it. Then Jesus said, how much better are you? than many sparrows. And there's times we go through things as I listen to people testify and they talk about how God's hand has kept them and how God has walked with them and how God has moved for them. But a lot of times when we're in those dark moments, we don't even realize that it's God. But when Moses' mother put him in the basket and set him on the water, he had no idea that he was a proper child. Sometimes you have no idea who you are. God know who you are before you even know who you are. He told Jeremiah before he got into all of his excuses, he said, Jeremiah, when you were in the womb, I already knew who you were. Then he said, not only did I know who you were, I had already ordained you to be a prophet. How many of you know that in the womb, God already saw what you would be? He already know what he's destined for you to walk into. But I want to share something with you today, the title of this message, amen, and I want you to grab it. I want you to let it sink down into years. The title of it is, You Have to Fight For It. Somebody say, you have to fight for it. Come on, grab your neighbor hand and look him in the eye and help me preach. And look him in his eye and say, you have to fight for it. Now look to the other side. I hope it's a stranger. Say, neighbor, you have to fight for it. All throughout the scripture, God has told us. Amen. All right. That's an amen. Let me let y'all amen right there. All right. That's what I'm talking about. How many of you know? Amen. God, throughout the scripture, when you learn the theme of the scripture, God has already laid out in scripture. When you start in Genesis and you just start to travel throughout all of the Bible, the underlying thought is that God has laid out exceeding great and precious promises for our lives. They're laid out. But if you go all the way back to Genesis, he said, subdue it. 
when you got in the book of Joshua, he said, go possess it. When he was talking in Exodus and Numbers, he told him, go possess it. He told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. He said, because I've given you the land, but you have to go seize it. He said, I've put it before you, but you have to go take it. He said, everything that I put in front of you is yours for the taking. But you have to exert the effort to bring under your control what God has spoken for you to have. Somebody say, you got to fight for it. And I see people give up all of the time. You know, I see in the modern church world, people say things like, I decree and I declare. And they think it's supposed to appear. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, add something to that. Decree, declare, and now I'm going to fight for it. The Bible says faith without works is dead being alone. It says you can hope for a thing all that you want. But if you're not willing to put forth the effort to bring it under your control, the Bible says to slope for desires and have nothing. Meaning that a lazy person, all they have is a bunch of dreams and ambitions, but they never put forth the effort to bring under control what God has promised them they could have. Somebody say you got to fight for it. And before I pray, I want to read something to you. And I think it was inspired as I saw last night. We looked at it and I won't have you standing long. But as I saw in El Paso, I saw the shooting. Then I got up, and then I saw the shooting in Dayton, Ohio. And as I began to think on it, God began to share with me that the enemy attacks America because America has created a culture of freedom. America has created a place where you are free to worship, you are free to serve, you have freedom to choose where you go to church, where you work, who you're going to marry. The, the, the tyrannical spirit that Great Britain imposed on our country, America fought to get that off of them. And America was born in what was called the Revolutionary War, the American Revolution. And in that American Revolution, what happened, they had a government, a tyrannical government sitting on them. And they decided that we are not going to submit our lives under such tyranny. So they had to go to war. What you kind of understand, the Bible says there's a time for war. Well, what happens in a war, the war is simply the clashing of government or leadership styles. That's what war is about. War is about one government overthrowing another government. Well, what happened, when they begin to engage in this conflict, See, a lot of people don't realize that in order for great things to be born, sometimes it's preceded by a war. And in a war, there's sometimes a lot of casualties. There's disabilities that come out of war. There's lost husbands, lost wives, lost children, lost fathers, lost mothers. But people get in those wars because they see the future of what they're fighting for. And when you believe that what you're fighting for is worth laying your life on the line for, not just for you, but for the generations after you, then you're willing to risk it all to ensure a better future for those that's coming behind you. And a lot of people, God speaks great things to the churches all over. 
But many people fail to calculate the price they're going to have to pay to keep their marriages intact. Marriages, don't you know the devil wages war on your marriage? He wants to break down that family unit of the father being the head and the mother coming nurture and the kids and that unit being intact. Because if he can break that unit down, then he breaks society down. There's a war for you. And you have to realize that in this war, you have to be willing to go to war for your wife. You have to be willing to go to war for your children. You have to be able to go to war for your career. The devil going to fight your finances. Everything that God has spoken to you that he wants to be blessed in your life, the enemy is going to fight you tooth and nail to make sure you don't possess what God has promised for you to possess. Oh, he's going to fight you. So I want to read something, amen, before we pray and take our seat. And y'all follow me because y'all know me by now. Amen. Can I just read the opening statement of the Declaration of Independence? I want to give this to you because this is the spirit of understanding that you have the right to be free, that the creator has made you to be free, and the oppressing or the Satan. How many of you know Satan is an oppressor? An oppressor is someone that rules through tyranny and dictatorship and they rule with an iron hand to keep you from becoming all that God has called you to be. He's an oppressor. So let me read this to you real quick. It's literally one of the most beautiful documents you're ever going to hear. And this was after they came out of the war, the fathers in Congress, they came together and they put this document together. And I really want you to get this. Because this is the foundation of pursuing freedom in your life. Amen? Y'all with me? All right. It says, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them. It says, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separate. In other words, you can't just go to war for no reason. You've got to have a legitimate reason. They're saying when a government is upon you, and you discerning that it's not in your best interest over a long period of time, then it is your right by God to live in an environment that's free, and it allows you to pursue all that God designed you to be. That is your God-given right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Look at the next statement. This is what everybody knows. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, or these rights are not up for compromise or discussion, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that these that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. What that is saying is you are responsible for the type of government that you submit to. So if there's things going on in your life that the the kingdom of darkness is planted in your life and you're not willing to put forth the effort to remove the satanic influences out of your life, that is your responsibility to know the rights that God has given you, not to accept them and fight to remove conditions that God has not spoken you should be living under. So it's not for you to complain, it's for you to fight. Oh, God. Hallelujah. It says that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, if any form of government becomes destructive to your rights to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, this is your responsibility. It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government Laying his foundations on such principles and organizing his powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Somebody say, neighbor, you are responsible for your life. And the spirit of this this is what God began to enlighten me on. The spirit of this is that God has not designed humanity to live under oppressive regimes of any kind. In government, in church, in a job, no way are you supposed to submit yourself willingly to anything that impedes you from pursuing what God has designed for you to be. And it may cost you something, but it's your responsibility to fight till your life looks how God designed it to look. You got to be willing to go through whatever you have to go through until what God has promised you is manifested. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for this day. Father, I appreciate you, God. I pray you give me the grace and the wisdom to communicate. I pray that you give me the gracious words, oh God, to communicate the thoughts that you have put in my heart today. Father, I pray, oh God, that what I speak would inspire somebody, God, to do better, to seek better, God, not to settle for oppression in any form. God, but to understand their rights, God, to know their rights, God, and to fight for them. God, if a marriage is in turmoil, God, let them know, God, that the hand of the enemy is against their house and they must fight for it. God, let the people of God know and realize that it's warfare. God, Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not corner, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God, empower us today, oh God. God, help us to realize, God, the consequences, God, the stakes, the stage, God, that we're on. God, and help us to understand, God, that we can't be passive, God, but we must get in our spirit to possess everything, God, that you have said that we can possess. God, and all the satanic influences and powers of darkness that's on the minds of your people, that's on the heart of your people. God, I bind it right now, God. I come against it in every form. 
God, and I pull it down, God, and I pray right now. God, and I bind every spirit, God, that was dispatched to hinder this word today. God, let your word have free course. God, let it flow and let it sink down into the ears of your people today. Hallelujah, Lord. We Come on, church. I'm going to ask you to pray with me real brief. Lift up your hands and let us pray for America. <laughs> Amen. That God would move upon this country. Amen. And that he would give wisdom and insight to your leaders, to your presidents, to your governors, to your mayors, to your church members, to whoever. Amen. All leadership. Let's lift them up. Amen. Because God had great plans for America. And truly the hand of Satan is fighting. But amen. I believe the church has to lead the way. Hallelujah. Let us lift up America before God. God, I lift this great nation up before you, God, in this troublous time. Remember, God, why you founded it. Remember all the blood that was shed on these souls. God, remember the spirit that you put in the leaders in 1776. God, even though there's been a lot of wicked things going on, God, let your mercy look down upon us, God. Let your mercy be granted to us, oh God. God, and restore to a rightful place. Remember America today. For in this land, we have the right to serve you. For in this land, we have the right to worship you. For in this land, we have the right, oh God, to gather today. God, and I thank you for it. Remember her, God. Guide her, lead her, instruct her. Let your spirit visit this land. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask you, hallelujah, bring revival to the land. Hallelujah, thank you. Amen. Thank you for praying with me today. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Somebody say you have to fight for it. Amen. Y'all ready to fight for it? Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all give our praise and worship team a hand. Amen. They did an excellent job. Amen. And all our sound team, video, everyone, they work so diligently. Amen. They, I know they think my nerves are a little bad, but I'm all about excellence. Look, they laughing at me. <laughs> Amen. But I, I believe in excellence. And I believe y'all know that, that everything I do, that's the, my pursuit. Amen. That's my quest. And I thank God for our first year. Amen. I appreciate him. I know, amen, we endured a lot of storms. That's okay. That's part of the journey. <laughs> amen. Somebody say, I'm built for it. Oh, y'all got to say that with an attitude. Somebody say, I'm built for it. Y'all mean that? Amen. And as we go into our second year, amen, I want the theme of that to be the year of excellence. Amen. If it's not excellent, we don't want it. If it's not excellent, we won't rest until it is. How many of you want to commit to that? If it's not excellent, we're not accepting it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So y'all going to help me preach today. Let's have a good time in the word. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, verse number 34. Amen. And I'm going to preach a little bit to you today. Amen. I thank all of you for coming out. Thank for all my friends. 
Amen. Co-workers. Amen. My friend Wayne. Amen. And his family. Been knowing him a long time. Thank God for him. Pastor Cliff is in the house. Thank God for him. Amen. Our wonderful sister, Sister Janelle. She's awesome. Thank God for her. All of you, if I miss any names, y'all already know it's not on purpose. Amen. But I thank God for all of you, Lottie, on the special events team. And amen. Just all the way, our ushers and greeters. Amen. Thank God for them. They work diligently. Amen. The Bible says every part is, when one part is honored, every part is honored. Amen. So I know it's a team effort. Amen. I know me and my wife may be spearheading Amen. But I know without all of us working together, nothing works. Amen. So give yourself a hand clap. Amen. Thank God for you. <laughs> Hebrews 11. Amen. Verse 34. Amen. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Amen. Y'all going to check in for me? Check in and put the title on there and let them know we ready to fight for it. Amen. Amen. And tag somebody you know that's going through some hard trials in their life that you know may need to hear a word that they need some courage to fight. Amen. And they may not be here today, but if you check in and tag them, amen, maybe they'll go watch it and they get inspired and start fighting and you may see them the next time. Amen. Praise God. All right. Hebrews 11 and 34. It says they quench the violence of fire and they escape the edge of the sword. It says out of weakness were made strong. It says they wax valiant in fight and they turn to flight the armies of aliens. Amen. Just this little phrase I want to extract out of there. They wax valiant in fight. That word fight means to engage in battle. That word fight means to wage war. That word fight means you exert an effort to subdue. That word fight means something comes your way and you're just not going to lay down and die and take the opposition. That, huh? Oh, I got an amen already. That word fight means, devil, I know you coming, but I'm ready to resist you. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. That word resist means whenever you fighting at me, I'm fighting back. You can't get the devil under your feet if you're not willing to push back upon him. Now, here's the promise. Here's the promise. The promise is this. When, if you make up your mind to resist or fight, he will flee. Oh, I need y'all to get that right there because that's the foundation of it. Because a lot of people don't get that concept. If you fight long enough, he going to flee. Oh, my God. Now, listen to this right here. It says they waxed valiant. That word wax means grow, and valiant means courage. Now, look what it says. You see the fight in front of you. You may feel a little scared. You may feel a little apprehensive. You may feel a little nervous. You may feel a little unsure. But this scripture says just start swinging. What the scripture is telling you, that if you just start swinging, if you just start fighting, you might throw that first blow and he may be big and strong, 
The first time you connect, you see that head wobble. Courage going to start coming. It says the courage comes when the fight starts. I remember growing up, I told Lee this story the other day. We had a guy, muscular guy. I was always real slim. I played ball. So I was always a puny guy. And we had this bully. And you know how bullies are. They always kind of make their mark. They go after somebody popular. And they want to subdue them and everybody. So I'm in my heart. I'm like, in my mouth, I'm telling them. They say, I want you to meet me by this tree after school and we're going to fight. In my mind, I said, okay, let's go. In my heart, I was like, man, this boy is. Man, y'all know anybody ever had the one hit of quitters growing up? Where they just hit you one good time and you, you know, so, so why the guy with the reputation for one hit of quitters want to pick on me? So in my mouth, everybody looking and I'm like, all right, let's go. In my heart, I'm like, oh my goodness, bro. <laughs> I'm sitting in class all day nervous. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet him by the tree. But in my heart, I'm like, man, I got a boy, this boy here. And I I'm con- I'm, can't even concentrate in class. I'm like, oh, man, it's 1230, man. It's, it's 130, man. It's 2 o'clock. Man, that bell ring and your stomach getting nervous. <laughs> and the whole crowd by the tree waiting to see what you're going to do. In my spirit... <laughs> I'm ready to go. But in my flesh, I'm looking at the size of the opponent. That's why Jesus said, the spirit is willing. See, what he was saying is in my heart and in my mind, I'm ready to go. But this old flesh, that's why the Bible says you can't walk by faith. You can't, you can't walk by sight. Meaning you can't walk in God looking at the size of your opposition. You got to walk in God looking at the size of your God. You got to walk in God looking at the size of your God. Somebody say courage comes when you start swinging. Because this is how it works. God lays everything out for you. He don't hand it to you. But what it happens is when you start fighting, God jumps in the fight with you. Your fight immobilizes the armies of heaven. But that's why the scriptures called him the Lord of hosts. That word host means army. Meaning when God see you getting ready to fight, he engages the armies of heaven. And he tells Michael, go ahead on and fight with him. You control the armies of heaven with your attitude. The armies of heaven not going to be dispatched to fight for you if you don't fight. But as soon as you make up your mind to fight, the angels that are, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. Soon as you make up your mind to fight, the angels are at stake. Okay, let's see how this fight goes. Okay. Y'all know the story? Somebody say you're losing because you're not swinging. The only reason you're losing is because you're not swinging. The only reason keep bringing your marriage down is because you don't want to get somebody in there to help you. You got to swing. Somebody say, just swing. Somebody say, just throw a blow. 
somebody say, even if you're scared, just fight. That's why Paul say, let the weak say they strong. Oh, my God. I don't want y'all to miss that. Your emotions control the armies of heaven. And if you don't fight, they don't fight. But if you start swinging, he'll go all the way up to the chief angel Michael himself. If he got to dispatch Michael to jump in that thing with you, he coming. The angel didn't manifest before they got in the furnace. (laughs) When they threw three in the furnace, all they saw was three. But as soon as they touched the furnace, the angel of God manifested himself. See, you don't want to get in the furnace and fight, but that's where the glory is. That's where the angel of God is. As soon as you're willing to take the persecution, to take the blow, that's when the angel jumps in there. And the king was astonished. See, Satan will get astonished at you. Because before you swing, you look weak and you look feeble and you look down and you look sad. But when he see you start to swing, and then that angel come and show up. The Bible say the king started looking around and he said, didn't I put three people in there? He said, but hold on. And God opened the king's eyes because he testified. He said, that looks like the son of God. Understand what happened. Everybody in the kingdom of God has an angel assigned to them. God went up so high in the hierarchy that Jesus himself sent his angel. Jesus sent his angel to get in the furnace with the Hebrew boy. And the king said, it looks like the son of God. Oh, my God. Somebody say you better fight. Somebody say you got to swing. <laughs> Let's go over here to Matthew. Now, this is beautiful. Matthew 12 and 22. And I was talking about a reason I shared some things with you earlier about the Declaration of Independence and government. Because now you're going to see the colliding or you're going to see the meeting of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Okay? The kingdom of God has a way that it governs. And the kingdom of darkness. How many of you know the kingdom of darkness is a sophisticatedly operating, functioning kingdom that Satan has set up in the earth realm? It's called the kingdom. And it's strategically in opposition to you. He strategically studies you. He knows everything about you as far as your old man, all the things that you engaged in, whatever your profile is or, or before you came to Christ. The enemy strategically studies those things. And when you turn your life to Christ, when you start to pursue after God, the darts and the attacks that he used is the position of the old person you used to be. And it's a systematic set of attacks that he set up to bring down everything you're trying to build. If you like whatever you used to like, he know what you used to like. And in your times of vulnerability, that's when he's going to conveniently present before you a pat back to the old man. So we up against a sophisticated kingdom, okay? 
And think about it from a government level. You're going to see the clash of the two governments right here. This was a real war taking place, all right? Matthew 12 and 22 says this. <clears throat> all right. Y'all follow me so far? Praise God. It says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil. He was blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. Let's go down to verse 28 and 29. So what you see is the colliding of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, okay? Now, when he began to cast this devil out or when he began to subdue or go to war with the kingdom of darkness, the corner people that were watching that did not understand what was taking place, they began to say, well, he's casting out the devil because he's under the influence of Beelzebub, who is the chief devil. Well, Jesus began to give them some teaching. He began to say, any kingdom that's divided against itself can't stand. He said, every house that divides or splits into different fractions is brought to desolation. So therefore, Satan will not influence me to cast out Satan. Satan will not influence me to overthrow his kingdom. So in other words, you have just witnessed the colliding of two kingdoms. Then he began to give them this concept. Now this is where I need you to follow me very, 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 very close. Verse 28 and 29. He said, but if I cast out devils... By the Spirit of God, now he's letting them know what's influencing him to do that. He said, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil the house? Okay. The strong man in this story is whatever demon was in authority over that house. How many of you know you are the temple of God? We are the house of God. The human body is the place where God desires to live, okay? So what you had was you had a demonic spirit that moved into that house and took authority over that house. But there was goods in that house. You know what the goods were? Do you know what the war was about? You. You are the goods. Your mind is the goods. That creativity that God put in there, that's the goods. That soul that lives inside of you, that's the goods. Because those gifts and talents that God has put inside, that's the goods. That's what the war is about. The war is about you. Everything that God has put in you and has given you dominion over, that's what the war is about. Then he used the term spoiling of the goods. Now, a lot of times, the first thing we think about when we think about spoiling is spoiled milk, spoiled cheese. That's not what he's talking about. In warfare, that word spa means to plunder. 
Do you ever heard that term too? The victor goes the spoils. Here's what happens. Whoever wins the war, they go take everything from the people that they beat. So they go in there, they take the silver, they take the gold, they take the blocks of gold, they take the money, they take the cash, they take the banks. They take, sometimes you see in the Bible, they took the wives, they took the children, they take the men and the women and they make them become subjects. So war is about taking possession of the person you defeat. So here's what just happened. The Jesus came representing another kingdom. There was a full out war for one person. He said, I can't get to your soul. I can't get to your mind. I can't get to your heart. I can't get to your talents. I can't free you unless I first go take possession of the thing that's keeping me from getting to your heart. So what he did, he went to war and cast the devil out of the man so that now the man was free to choose God. A lot of people, they want to serve God, but there's a strong man sitting up on their mind. There's a strong man blocking their heart. There's a strong man keeping them. Sometimes you don't even, sometimes the the demonic influence on you is so strong, you can't even choose, though you know it's the right thing to do to give your life to God. You need to know that once you submit yourself to this world of sin that you have given Satan the legal right to block you from getting to God. But when a stronger than him comes, (laughs) let's go to Luke. Oh, but let's go to Luke. I'm giving you some concepts right here because a lot of you don't fight because you don't realize that you are already the victor. A lot of you, what you have to realize as humanity, that Jesus has already defeated the enemy. I mean, you are literally not fighting against someone that's already defeated. When you start to fight, you already won. Paul said we are more than conquerors through him that love us. Oh, yeah. Now, let's go over here to Luke 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 20 to 22. Boy, Jesus knew how to teach, man. It was beautiful. He said, verse 20, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils. He said, no doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. How many times throughout this year we've seen devils come out in this place? How many witnesses we got? Y'all done seen all the spirits that we done cast out in this place? <laughs> so, no doubt the kingdom of God has manifested itself to you. Jesus said, whenever you see warfare and demons are coming out, he said, don't doubt in your mind that you have just witnessed the manifestation of God's kingdom. Then look what he says. He says, oh, this is beautiful. He said, when a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are at peace. He says, But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taken from him all of his armor where he trusted and he devised the spoils. Y'all hear that concept? 
Jesus is saying, as long as Satan is dominating you and the gospel is not preached to you, and you have no idea, no hint that God has made a better way for you, a better path for you, then you are safe under Satan's possession. He said, but as soon as a stronger one shows up, as soon as you hear the word of the kingdom, as soon as you hear somebody preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's a stronger one that showed up. And what Jesus does, he goes in your mind and he starts preaching and you start hearing his word. Now, look what he say. The armor that he trusted in. What is Satan's armor? When he starts feeding you negative thoughts. When he starts feeding you bad reports. When he starts telling you you're worthless. When he starts telling you you're defeated. When he starts telling you you're never going to amount to anything. When he starts telling you your life will never get better. When he starts telling you that you're going to be broke forever. <laughs> you're never going to get married. Nobody's going to receive you. When he starts, that's his armor. The only way he can keep you is when you believe what he's telling you. But when you start to hear a different report, that great is he, that is in me, that he that is in the world. I'm more than a conqueror to him that loved me. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. When you start reciting the words of one that's greater, all this little armor that he trusted in to keep you confound and locked up and in bondage, Jesus just rips it away from him and you become free to choose. We got to rip his armor down. Every time he starts feeding negativity in your mind, you cast it down. When you receive that negativity from the kingdom of darkness, that's his armor to stay in your life. But when you start feeding your mind the word of God, that's a stronger than he's showing up and just dismantling his armor. And then once his armor is dismantled, then the new king can come in and possess your goods. You have to know. Somebody say, I got the goods. Somebody say, I am the goods. (laughs) Somebody say, heaven and earth and the kingdom of darkness all fighting for me. I hear that. Let me let that sink in. Y'all swallowing that. I hear y'all. Y'all say, who? <laughs> because you have to know your value. You have to know that one of you, if one of you rise up and become an apostle, that's thousands of churches that God can plant. If one of you rise up and become the prophet that God has called you to be, it only takes one prophet to speak to a president and change the course of a whole country. You might not think you're important, but the devil is a lie. Every one of you, down to the least, Jesus say, whatsoever you do to the least of these, you do it to me. I'll never feel like you're not significant enough to make a difference. The devil is a lie. You don't know how great the destiny is for you and the impact you can have on this generation. If you just allow God to get rid of the strong man out of your life and you choose God and so God can bring you into what he has called you to be. You may be a deliverer for your family. 
already taught y'all in this church that one person is responsible to touch three generations. You got three generations in your hand right now. Three. But the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So the decisions that you make can span a hundred, two, three hundred years. That's how important your decisions are. When you're in crucial moments, can you get ready to walk out on your family? You can, you can open up a quitting spirit to come into your son and your daughter, and that thing starts traveling for generations, and your family never achieves nothing great because they saw daddy quit. Satan don't want you to know how powerful you are. He don't want you to know how much impact you have. Oh, my God. Don't you know a real intercessor can go in the atmosphere and discern demonic influences and pull them down? Do y'all realize that? God can open your eyes to see the hand of the enemy in your house. The hand of the enemy in your city. The hand of the enemy on your job. And God can give you the spiritual insight. Somebody say prove it. God told, God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But then he said, shall I destroy it without letting my friend on the earth know what I'm getting ready to do? God visited Abraham. Then he said, I'm getting ready to wipe two cities out. Then Abraham's compassion was like, oh God, you are the judge of all the world. He said, shall not the judge of the earth do right? God said, hold on, I am the judge. What you mean? Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Y'all, that's not just a good story for you to read. That's real dialogue that happened with the creator and a human. That was real dialogue that could have shifted the hand of God if, if God would have found 50 righteous. It made him consider, it made him pause, and it made him think and reflect. How is it that we as mere humans can't consult with other people and here's the God of the whole world just running something by a human being? We so arrogant, we know everything, we can't get no input from nobody. And here's God saying, I can destroy it right now, but let me see what Abraham thinks. What's wrong with seeing what your wife thinks before you do something? Somebody say, we just was talking about that, huh? <laughs> it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so Abraham said, Lord, if I find 50 righteous, God said, okay, for 50, I won't destroy it. And they got all the way down to 10. God literally sat there and just went through that conversation. You know why? Because God didn't want to destroy the place. He was hoping he could have found a reason to let it continue. See, that's how God is. God doesn't want your marriage to fail. He doesn't want your children to be lost. But he's just waiting on you to intercede with him so y'all can come up with a strategy to keep this thing together. See, God is ready to give you new strategy, new wisdom. He said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. But if you don't ask of God, how can you tap into divine wisdom to solve your problems? 
God don't want to see your life shipwrecked, but he wants you to consult with him. He don't want to see you marry the wrong guy or girl. But he wants you to consult with him. Boy, isn't that a beautiful passage? <laughs> so the strong man has showed up, and his name is Jesus. And he's here today to help you. He's here to take every demonic influence out of your life. Whether it's in the form of just speaking oppressive things to you, we need to break that spirit that's been traveling with you. All down to the point that if the demon has literally possessed you and he, you can't even make decisions on your own, we can get that out of you too. Somebody say the strong man is here. And Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's talking about liberating you from the oppressive regime called the kingdom of darkness. Paul wrote it like this. He has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. I'm teaching and preaching today, so y'all bear with me. <laughs> I really, really feel like preaching, but I can't let these concepts slip away. Because that's what carries you to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Hype is good, and it's good to leave out of church feeling good. But it's when you're in war with the enemy, you need concepts to come to your mind so you can strategically know what you're doing. Paul said, I'm not as one that beats the air. In other words, I'm not just doing something unskilled and unstrategic. I know exactly what to do when the enemy comes. He wrote to the church. He said, God would not leave you ignorant concerning the vices of the devil. What he's saying is whenever there's dark influences and you can feel vibes from the kingdom of darkness around you, you may not know exactly what it is, but if you go in prayer, God will begin to show you he's fighting your wife. He's trying to come into your garden through this right here. He's fighting your son. Your son not telling you, but he's been trying marijuana. Anybody ever had you reveal something to you that's going on in your house that nobody told you but the Holy? See, you got to be connected with God because the Spirit of God will open your eyes and he won't leave you ignorant to the devices that Satan is concocting against you. He won't do it. You stay ignorant when you don't call out to God and say, God, what is going on? See, speaking in tongues is good. But you need to know what's going on. You can't walk up to your child when the devil trying to take them and you just start speaking in tongues. No, you need a word from God so you can strategically tell him, hey, son, watch out for this. Yes, Lord. He says, and he overcame him and took his armor that he trusted in and divided his good. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go to Revelation 1, 17 and 18. I just want to put this out there, and then I'm going to move through this quick, and we'll go to Luke 13. Are y'all enjoying God's word today? Praise God. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. Amen. I pray that you're getting a mind to fight. Amen. That you're understanding. Amen. 
What is going on? Revelations chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, real quick. All right. Says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead. He says, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He says, and have the keys of hell and death. Now, we know what causes death, right? The wages of sin is death. Now, here's what that word keys means. It means the keeper of the keys has the power to open and shut. In the New Testament, it denotes the one that has the power and authority of various kinds. When Jesus got out of the grave, he said this right here. He said, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. What he was saying was this. Everything that a human can go through that can cause them to die. Every known sin that ever comes from the kingdom of darkness that they can get involved in, I overcame it. And now that I have overcome it, God has given me the authority to help anybody that wants to tap into that authority with me. He said, I now have the authority to help every human overcome any challenge that they may face. Somebody say, Jesus has the keys to what's ailing me, to what's blocking me, what's in my way. Lord Jesus. He has the keys over your sickness. That's why when he came into the earth, the Bible says he laid hands on them and healed them all. He has the keys over the depression that's bothering you. Why? Because he is the one that can speak to the depression and cause it to go away. He has the keys over your, uh, whatever struggle you may be dealing with, he has the authority over it. And we need to understand that because a lot of you are under demonic government and you don't have to be. Lord Jesus. Let's go to Luke 13. Right now, let me give you this, and I'm getting ready to get on out of your way. Luke 13, verse 10. I know the devil don't like this message. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. He don't like this message. Luke 13, verse 10. Y'all got it? Say amen. Okay. All right. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Y'all, the synagogue represents the church. He was standing in the church teaching. Look what happened. Behold, in the church, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and she was bowed together. And she could in no wise lift herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and he said unto her, Woman, 
thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. Then the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. See, everybody not going to be happy when you get free. And guess where the indignation came from? It came from in church. One of the biggest trials that I've seen take a lot of Christians out, when they go through things with co-workers that's not saved and family that's not saved, they say, okay, I expect that. But don't let them go through a trial in church. <laughs> the pastor, hypocrite, the church ain't no good. <laughs> that's one of the biggest tricks of the devil. In church is what he's going to try to sneak in the most because you're not expecting to go through a tax in church. This story didn't happen on Simcoe. That story didn't happen in Vizay. That wasn't in Fightingville. That wasn't in Macomb. That was in the synagogue. Anybody ever went through something in church? Now, hold on. Now, hold on. Somebody lying because if all y'all hands didn't go up then. You mean to tell me you never went through to church and started questioning and got offended? The usher didn't speak right or the pastor said something you didn't like or the brother? You mean to tell me you never got to church and got your feelings hurt? (laughs) I don't know what Sister Green was going through today, boy. She was mean. That whole church is... Don't let the devil make you abort the whole church for a microcosm of one tear. You maybe just crossed a tear that day. The wheat and the tear grow together. You got to fight through that. You need a bigger sample size. Don't make a life-altering generational shift in decision on such a small sample size of coming in contact with one tear. I just threw that in. I just threw that in. <laughs> so the ruler of the church people got mad, found an excuse, Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, and look what they said. But there are six days in which a man could work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Now, what that's telling you that everybody in church don't have the right heart. Here's a man getting healed on, he got healed, she got healed in church, like Jesus healed her. And there were people in church saying, he didn't heal her right. (laughs) He didn't heal her on the right day. (laughs) He shouldn't have healed on Sunday, he should have done that Friday. Because that Friday, y'all, how you know she was going to make it back to the next service? (laughs) You can't try to dictate the way the church functions so much to where the Spirit of God don't have the liberty to free somebody when he wants to. Church members have crippled the Spirit of God in the church. Because now let's say if this person right here that got mad was a big tide payer. If you hear somebody again like that, I'm pulling my tides. The little preacher that's not under the influence of the Spirit of God, he might start to say, well, tell your family, come back Friday. 
No, you need, we need men of God that's going to let the spirit of God have his way and move when he get ready to move. <laughs> you can't be influenced. I don't care if they tithe is $4,000. You got to let God lead you. You can't be one that's in a position and be bought out and respect persons and personalities and build cliques and, and little friendships. and No, churches, there shouldn't be gangs in churches. One sit on this side. Some people go to church, they might as well walk in, grab their little corn, and put this our gang sign. If he say something we don't like, we're going <laughs> to. But that's what has caused the church world to be so divided because we don't want to let the spirit of God govern. We want to let our clout govern the church. It's not going to be that kind of church. The Spirit of God governs here. When Peter began to write to the elders, he said, the elders that are among you, I exhort. He said, take over. He said, the elders, he said, the Holy Ghost has made you the overseer. He said, take oversight there. He said, not as lords, but don't bring a tyrannical spirit into the house of God. Don't have aspirations of ministry to build you a kingdom. Having a desire for ministry shouldn't be for you to get rich. Man, I'm going, man, I've been looking, man, pastors make this. And if you got that kind of drive, every time a member have an idea you don't like, that somebody give, that you're going to start to alter, well, don't preach on this and don't think. Oh, my God. I sure didn't think I was going to hit that. <laughs> he said, but the Lord, or Jesus said, thou hypocrite. I don't have any hypocrites in there. Yeah, nobody raise your hand on that. <laughs> he said, does not each one of you on a Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him into the way watering? This is the key verse. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom who has bound? How long Satan had a bond? Be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. <laughs> now, I want to bring that home. Many of you, Satan has strategically put things in your life, and you've been dealing with them for a very long time. Some of you, you go and you try to get medication to balance chemicals. Some of you, you take sleeping medication to go to sleep at night. Some of you, you go to the club a lot because there's voids. Some of you, a lot of the decisions that you're making, you're going to all kind of avenues trying to soothe something that's spiritual. <laughs> you can't remedy spiritual problems with natural solutions. The things that's blocking you are demonic in nature, not carnal in nature. Bad mindsets, bad thought patterns, bad habits. That's not a, a, a carnal issue. That's a spiritual condition. And that can only be remedied by the Spirit of God. Lord, have mercy to the Bible says Satan. So here's what happened, y'all. They looked at this woman. This is how the woman came to church. This is how she came to church. Hunched over. 
she probably had somebody wanting to give her a comfortable chair. She probably had somebody wanted to rub the muscle. And they thought, well, maybe if we get the muscle fixed, she can sit up better. But nobody was spiritual enough to discern that the cause of her being hunched over was a demonic spirit that Satan dispatched to her life. And it manifested. It hit her in the soul. And it was so powerful, it physically manifested to the point she was hunched over. Jesus coming there and he preaching the word and the woman hunched over and he just discerned there's a demon on that lady. You could have called every doctor in Jerusalem. We know stories. There was one in the Bible. The Bible said the woman had an issue of blood because she went to every doctor she can think of, emptied all of her savings account, did everything she could possibly think about, and she went broke trying to find healing. And all it took was her pushing through the crowd and touching the bottom of his robe. You can go to med school for 20 years. A 20-year med school degree can't solve a demon. There's only one physician that can rid you of demonic influence. (laughs) He said, I am the physician. He said, now if you sit in this church today and you think you got it all together, he said, I didn't come to call them that are whole already. He said, but I came to call them that are sick. I came to call them that are down. I came to call them that are needy. He said, I am the spiritual physician and I've come today to rid you of every demonic influence you've been battling in your life. There's a physician in the house. And I'm standing here under the power of the Holy Ghost to tell you, I don't care how long Satan been plaguing your life. It can be broken at this altar today as soon as I touch you. It don't take all day. It just takes you realizing that there's been demonic attacks blocking you. And once you... honest enough to realize that it's demonic in nature was blocking your progress, then God can free you. Because there's a stronger one here that's stronger than Satan. Greater is he that's in this place than he that's in the world. Oh, God can free you today. Oh, God can free you today. I feel like praying for y'all. Amen. I'm ready for the Lord to show up. Amen. Y'all stand up with me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell y'all right now, this is what I'm believing God for. I'm going to tell y'all. If you need to be healed in your body, I'm believing God to touch you today. Because some sicknesses, they come from you just neglecting your diet and you neglecting and these things but some things that have attacked you are demonic in nature I just showed you that the devil had a woman looking like hunched over can you imagine the confusion on the doctors when you go to the doctor and they've been to school all of this time but they can't detect what's causing you to be hunched over because it's a spirit there is no medical degree that can give you the ability to discern a spirit <laughs> 
Why do you think there's some things you can't find cures for? Because some of these attacks on humanity are demonic in nature. And only God can fix that. Only God can heal you. Only God can restore you. Amen. So I want to invite everyone to come up today. Amen. Amen. And you know what you need God to do. You know what you've been battling with. You know what you've been dealing with. Amen. And I want to share with you that if you want to commit yourself to the Lord today, come on up. If you have any sickness in your life that you need God to heal you from, come on up. If you want to rededicate your life to God, come on up. If you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost today, come on up. And if you just need prayers for anything in your life, whether it's financial, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever you need God to do for you today, I want to, I want to invite you to meet me up here. Hallelujah. As we get ready to close. Hallelujah. As we get ready to close. Amen. And don't, don't let this moment pass you by where, amen, you know you need God to do something for you and he has shown up. Because one stronger than the one that has had you in bondage is here today. Hallelujah. If he's been fighting your marriage, you need to bring your marriage to this altar. Amen. If he's been fighting you and your finances, you need to bring that to this altar. Amen. If there's any bondage you've been dealing with, you need to bring that to this altar. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil tell you, amen, that there's not something at this altar for you today. 